Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 to 10. And um, I'm going to read it to you, and then we'll talk about it and get down to the message this morning. If you're willing and able, you don't have to, but if you're willing and able, would you stand for the reading of the word? We know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. In this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed, by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, we're burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given to us his spirit as a guarantee. So we are of good courage. We know that while we are at home in this body, we are away from the Lord. But we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord, so that whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, we thank you today for your holy word. We thank you for giving it to us. Lord, for each person gathered here today and those listening or viewing online, may we be edified and strengthened to be the body of Christ. We are thankful for the promise of heaven. And yet, Lord, we live now. We live in the here and now. We live in the difficulties of moments and days and time. Lord, help us to live as the Easter people in this life until we are able to inherit the next. We pray in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. Please be seated. When my youngest daughter Rachel was very small, and some of you have heard me talk about this, obviously it made an impression on me. I used to read to her, I bought a, I bought a, a complete book of A.A. A. Milne's Winnie the Pooh stories. And when Rachel was quite small, her and I every night, that practically every night, we tried, would sit down and read one of the Winnie the Pooh stories. And so I became very familiar with Winnie the Pooh. And I thought I'd just recount for you, if it's been some time uh, since you've read Winnie the Pooh, each of the characters, because they each have a purpose. Now, the whole story is set you know, from the viewpoint of Christopher Robin, little six-year-old boy who is living his life in his toys, with his toys, who he has named as characters. Winnie the Pooh, obviously that bear that always wants to get into trouble, that is curious, that is always trying to basically represent what, say, a two-year-old toddler would be like in many ways. Then you've got, of course, Tigger. Now, Tigger's my favorite because he's bouncy, 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 bouncy. And he represents, for me, I don't know about you, uh, a child that's entering perhaps a little bit later in life, the teenage years maybe, uh, heading into those years, who is just wanting to get into everything. 
Then you have, of course, uh, that, that was Tigger. You, you have, of course, Kanga, who is the mature, motherly mama of Rue, the little preschooler that bounces and wants to be curious and get into everything. And then you have not maturity, but wisdom found in the wise old owl. If you haven't caught on yet, I'm driving you somewhere. I may have missed a character, but the one that I want to get to is this one, Eeyore. Eeyore is why I've got you to at Winnie the Pooh this morning. Have you ever noticed that Winnie the Pooh, or rather Eeyore, is always got the sky falling? If Eeyore was to look at the weather today, he would tell us that it's cloudy, there's going to be lightning, and a storm's coming in, and possibly six inches of snow. Eeyore is a pessimist. Eeyore, Eeyore sees the sky falling every day and can never find the good in anything. Keep that in mind, because it has to do with what Paul's writing about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 when he says, I'd rather be with the Lord than here, but because I am here, I'm going to live as a risen person uh, while I am here. Have you ever said to yourself at some point in life, I don't want to go to work today? <laughs> I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but most people have said that at some point. And now you know that if you want to keep your job, there are days when you've got to go. Things may get monotonous. Things may get boring. Your people you work with may be difficult to work with. Sometimes people are just edgy. Sometimes it's hard to be around people. And you may have said to yourself at some point, there's got to be more than this for me. Listen to how Paul said it. He said, in this tent we groan. We've not yet put on our heavenly dwelling. You know, Paul was a tent maker. And when he used the picture of a tent for our lives, he understood that it can be difficult to be tent dwellers. It can be difficult to be human. How many of you recognize that we've just gone through a very human period in our world? This pandemic. I mean, it couldn't get more human than the pandemic. And before I tell you what I'm about to tell you, I, I want you to drop all your politics, <laughs> no matter what, what place they reside, set it all aside, your opinion on this thing, mask, no mask, vaccination, no vaccination, doesn't matter. I want you to go back to Palm Sunday of last year. Palm Sunday of last year, we were just getting started out here and it was tough. You didn't know who had it and who didn't. You didn't know if you were going to get it. We didn't know how to live stream. We didn't know how to run all this technology. But we were doing the best that we could in the circumstance that we had. You know, on Palm Sunday last year, in the entire world, 1,204,000 people had been infected with the virus on Palm Sunday. Think about that for a minute. Do you know today, 190 million people have been infected with the virus? Do you know that, that Palm Sunday of last year, there were 64,806 deaths? Today, they tell us there's been over 4,083,000 deaths. I'm talking in the world. Do you know that on Palm Sunday in the United States last year, we had over 8,500 deaths? 
Today, they tell us there's over 608,900 deaths that have occurred in the United States. In Ohio last year, 3,700 people were infected by Palm Sunday. Today, in Ohio, 1,116,000. Palm Sunday, we had 100 deaths. Today in Ohio, 20,437. If you bring it right down to Stark County, 92 infections last year on Palm Sunday, 33,610 today, two deaths on Palm Sunday, and 937 today. And you and I this morning have plenty left to groan about, don't we? I mean, we have got the vaccination going. Some of us have gotten it. Some of us don't believe in it, all that stuff. But have you noticed that life's still difficult, even though we're coming out of a pandemic? Bills still need paid. Medical issues still come up. Sometimes you just want to say, I don't want to do it today. Because you look at the sky, and no matter how blue it is, you know that Eeyore is going to come into play somewhere in this day. Listen to what Paul said. In this tent, in this body, we groan. We want to have the heavenly dwelling. We want to have blue skies always. But we're in this tent. And if we try to get it out of this tent, listen to how he says it in the, fourth, the third verse. If indeed by putting it on we might be found naked. For while we're still in this tent, we groan. We're burdened. We don't want to be unclothed from the tent, but we would rather we would be further clothed so that, so that this mortal life would be swallowed up by the life. Paul is saying to us, and please get this, this tent, this body, it's burdened. It's burdened. No matter what it is, no matter what the circumstance, we've got difficulty. And all of this will one day be swallowed up by a new tent, by the life that Jesus Christ has promised to us, but it's just not here yet. You know, I'm not done reading through this passage a verse at a time to you. You know how I do that. I go a verse at a time. But I do want to say to you right now that this passage, we've read this morning, 2 Corinthians verses 1 to 5, or 1 to 9 rather, it is a passage that is often read at funerals. It is read at the end of our lives. We read it with meaning. We want this tent to be taken off. We want the new life to be ours. We groan in this tent. We want the groaning to go away. And most of us live our lives driving this tent to a mythical place in our head that we call not heaven, but rather retirement, right? I've got about seven, eight years for that. And we find that when we get there, we're still groaning. In fact, the groaning may get worse. For some of us, it does get worse. And our understanding is that a few years of that, and then the ultimate reality comes, eventually we'll die. 
And we want to have this hope that when that happens, all of this groaning is gone. All of this groaning is taken away. All of this groaning does not remain ours. I want to tell you something about the Apostle Paul when he wrote this. I got to get this fixed. <laughs> Paul never thought when he wrote this that cancer or a car wreck or even COVID was going to take him out of here. Paul believed that Jesus was going to take him out of here. And he's saying, I just want out of this body. I want, to, I want out of this tent. He wrote it in 1 Thessalonians this year. We declare this to you by a word from the Lord. We who are alive and remain till the coming of the Lord will not go before those who have died before us. And we who are alive, who are left, will get caught up in the air to meet the Lord in the air. And so will always be with the Lord. He lived with this expectation that one day the eastern sky would break, the Lord would descend, the Christians that were alive at that moment would ascend to be with the Lord, they would meet him in the air, the dead in Christ would rise, and they too would go up to be with him. And this tent and all of this hurting and this pain and this suffering would be gone. He expressed it in the book of 1 Corinthians 15 this way. I tell you a mystery. We'll not all die. We'll all change. And he used the, the word metamorphosis there. But later in life, Paul realized he might just die before Jesus came back. He realized he might not survive long enough. So he writes to this church at Corinth and he says, we don't want you to be unaware of the affliction that we've experienced. We've been burdened beyond our strength. At times we've despair, despaired of life itself. We feel that we've received the sentence of death. And we've set our hope on Christ that he'll deliver us one more time. You need to help us in prayer so that many will give thanks on, on our behalf for the blessing that has been granted to us through your prayers. What Paul is saying is this. He never saw life the way that he was going to live it. You and I live with that expectation of time. You know, we get that three score and ten. We live and anything beyond that's a bonus. That we'll put in our time at the factory or the office or wherever that is. <coughs> Then we retire, and lo and behold, one day we'll exit and go to be with the Lord. Paul's, no, the Lord's coming. He had to have an adjustment to realize it may not work out the way he thought. And I want to suggest to you this morning with what I've read to you, that as much as Paul had to adjust his thinking, maybe we need to adjust ours. Maybe we need to realize that life isn't about the groaning. It's not about this difficult tent. If you really want me to, 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 to really blow your mind, understand what Paul wrote here. Remember what he said. He said, we'd be absent from the body, present with the Lord. I want to take off this tent with all of its groaning and go to be with the Lord. But I, I, I'm stuck here. I've got all this groaning going on because I'm in this tent. And listen to what he says in the fifth verse. You have to get this. He 
who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us his spirit as a guarantee. Let me, let me explain to you what Paul just said. He who has prepared this. What's the this? It's the groaning. <laughs> Do you ever think of that? He who has prepared us for this, God has prepared us for what? For this tent. He's given us something as Christians to make it to the other side. The down payment of his Holy Spirit. He has prepared us for the difficult times we face. He's prepared us for such a time as this. But he's not done it in our strength. He's done it in the power of the down payment of his Holy Spirit in the Christian. Listen for a minute to some things Jesus said. and Just think about it. He says to his disciples in the book of John, I've said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you can remember that I told them to you. I didn't say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. Understand, Jesus is saying to his disciples, yeah, life's tough. And I didn't tell you what I'm about to tell you because I was here with you. But look at what he says next. He's going to tell him he's leaving. I'm now going to return to him who sent me. And none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Let me translate that for you. Jesus just said he's checking out. He's not going to be with them. And those 12 Eeyores looked up at the sky and said, it's falling. It's going to rain any minute now. There'll be lightning and thunder and storms. Oh dear, what are we going to do? And Jesus says, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. If I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you and I'll ask the Father and he'll give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth who the world can't receive. It neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. Jesus says to his disciples, I haven't talked about leaving or anything that's going to happen to you until now. And the reason is because I'm leaving. But you need to know I'm not leaving you as an orphan. I'm sending my Holy Spirit to you to help you through the difficult times of groaning that the tent is going to give to you. I'll not leave you as orphans. I'll come to you. I have two friends. My best friend, Ed's kids. Ed and his wife, Sue, could not have children, so they adopted. Uh, Judy was adopted, came to their life in 1972. Jonathan was adopted as an infant as well. He came in 1980. Both of those kids have grown up, and they found their birth parents. Now, I have never been adopted. I don't know anything about this. I don't know how this works. But what I do know is that if I had not known my parents, there would probably be something in me that would want me to find them. And I want you to look at how this worked out for them. One of them found where their parents were, only to learn that one of them had died about the time that she was born. And the other one found, or rather she found the other parent, just about the time that she got cancer and died. 
The other boy, he found his parents, and, and lo and behold, one of them's in pretty good health, and the other one is so-so. But what I've noticed in them finding their parents is that both of them, after reaching out to find them, came back a little bit closer to their adoptive parents. Which, oh, what are you trying to say there? Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to give you someone to be with you forever, the Holy Spirit. I'll not leave you as orphans. I'll give you something to carry you through the groaning. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And please understand, Jesus died on the cross. He ascended to heaven. He sent the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. The 12 disciples, minus Judas, of course, but the, the disciples found themselves living in this world with all of its aches and pains, serving a Lord that was living in another place, but a Holy Spirit that was living in them. Are you with me? In them. I will not leave you as orphans. I'll send the Spirit to be with you. In fact, he says, I'll come to you. And because I live, you also will live. Church. <laughs> the emperor of all emperors just said, it may be tough, but you're going to live. As Christians, we have that hope. Because he lives in us. We are convinced, Paul says, that neither life nor death, nor things present, nor things to come, nor anything else in all of creation can separate us from the love that is in Christ Jesus. Yes, we groan. We are burdened. We want to get rid of it. But what we actually ought to do is have that adjustment to say, give me a little more. Give me a little more. You say, Joe, you're out of your mind. No. No, I'm not. Because the more that we get, the more that he lives. The more that we get, the more that he shines. The more that the Christian makes their way through, the more that Jesus gets the praise and the honor and the glory. He who has prepared this for us is God. We were made for this. And Paul ends it by saying, For we walk by faith and not by sight. I'm going to close with a few scriptures that I want you to see. When Paul said, He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the spirit of his guarantee. I want you to listen to what Paul said. In 2 Corinthians, he said, We have this treasure in jars of clay in order that the surpassing power of God is his and not ours. We are afflicted in every way, but we are not crushed. We're perplexed, but we are not driven to despair. We are persecuted, but we are not forsaken. We may be struck down, but we are not destroyed. And this 10th verse is so important. We carry... In our bodies, the death of Jesus. Stop and hear this. That is that groaning. 
That is that tent. That is that suffering. That is this life. That is that piece of us that sees the sky falling. That is that piece of us that says, I don't want to go to work today. That is that piece of us that says, it's never going to work out. Paul says, in those times, understand this. We carry in our bodies the death of Jesus, get this, so that the life of Jesus may be manifest in us. We are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. What Paul just said was, the sufferings and the trials and the difficulties of a Christian come so that the life of Jesus can shine through us. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Church, I want to give you something to do. I, and I'm the worst person to give you this prescription. Maybe that's why God's given it to me. It's nothing worse than the doctor that smokes, overeats, and has bad cholesterol telling you need to eat right, right? We all have difficulties. We all have our Eeyore moments in life. We all have trials that we don't think we would have ever imagined we'd have. But as a Christian, we also have Jesus. And because of that, that walk that we have, it's not by what we see, it's by what we don't see. We walk by faith and not by sight. What's your assignment? What's my prescription? The first thing that comes to you this week that looks negative, difficult, and hard, remember that the life of Jesus lives in you so that you can make it through the death that this life offers you until he returns. Amen. We're going to sing, and, and this song, this song, uh, we only played this about three times since we've been out here. It's called Graves in the Gardens. And I've picked that intentionally for the message today, church. I want you to think about that. What we see as graves, what we see as difficulty, God is able to take that and turn that into something fruitful for, for his praise. And